This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, April 26, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. The drumbeat for U.S. intervention in Syria continues. This time, the argument revolves around the possible use of chemical weapons by the Assad regime. Chris Preble, vice president for defense and foreign policy studies at the Cato Institute, argues that U.S. intervention in Syria would create more problems than it would solve. Whenever the United States is called upon by some group somewhere to intervene uh, in, a, in a foreign country, it's almost always, it seems like almost always, a no-fly zone is a starting point. Mm-hmm. And that is sort of one of the key starting points of the calls to intervene in Syria. Right. Uh, we see that a no-fly zone is often uh, a slippery slope. Now, slippery slope arguments are notoriously uh, well, slippery. <laughs> uh, it's not true, of course, that it's inevitable that that kind of military action leads to other action, but it is true uh, that no-fly zones are very rarely sufficient for uh, addressing the problems on the ground that is driving the violence uh, in general. We saw that in Libya where the no-fly zone became a no-drive zone within a matter of days, if not hours, because it was immediately realized that the no-fly zone wouldn't be enough to prevent, uh, in, the ca- in that case, an assault on the, on the city of Benghazi that the, the Muammar Gaddafi's forces were bearing down on. Um, in the case of Syria, uh, it is hard for me to see how a no-fly zone would uh, be effective in reducing the violence on the ground, which is being perpetrated in the, it's in the context of a civil war. It is different factions within Syria fighting for control, uh, fighting to drive the Assad government and its supporters from power, uh, fighting to assert control over certain parts of the country, certain territories, and consolidate that power. Uh, virtually none of that fighting is done in the air. Uh, and therefore, a no-fly zone that is dedicated mainly to keeping the skies clear of enemy aircraft or hostile aircraft uh, won't solve the problem. Now, if you're imposing uh, a no-fly zone to to basically keep the skies clear for the good guys, whoever they are, uh, so that they can take action against the ground, that's a different sort of military operation, but it's not a no-fly zone. It's, it is really about targeting people on the ground. Um, it's also, a, I think, this, this call for no-fly zone is a, a function or a, a symptom of a deeper problem, which is, you know, of course, what I call the power problem, that we have so much military power. It appears so easy for us to use that power. If we don't use that power, we are uh, – someone will accuse us of not caring about what's happening on the ground, and that's not accurate. The, the better explanation is that we recognize that that military power can be very effective in certain rare instances, uh, but it cannot solve political problems on the ground. Uh, force uh, does not um, – uh, cannot compel warring parties to, uh, to put down their arms unless the, the warring parties themselves have one side or the other have won, you know, have, have, have won a decisive victory, and that can't be won for them. A related problem is this notion of impartial intervention. A famous uh, essay by the uh, political scientist Richard Betts talks about the the myth of impartial intervention. There is no such thing as a humanitarian intervention that does not uh, uh, ultimately privilege one side over the other. When you have a civil war like that's going on in Syria that's not just one side but many, uh, that's even more complicated. Whose side exactly are we intervening on on whose behalf? Um, And I think 
that's that's still the problem in Syria. We do not know uh, who the uh, the the parties are that are most likely to be able to secure the country and win the support of a majority of the Syrian people, and will that new government, with the support of the Syrian people, uh, share our uh, our goals, our our strategic objectives? Will they work with us and partner with us or not? And I think that's a question that we have not been able to answer from the very beginning, which is why uh, so far we have stopped short of overt military intervention there. Is it fair to say that the United States, were it to arm rebels, were it to intervene in some way, would effectively be at war with Iran and Russia, if not Lebanon and Iraq? Personally, I think that would be a little bit of a stretch, but I think the, the, someone would make that argument and it would be a, a plausible argument. I wouldn't make that argument. I think fighting through proxies is not the same as fighting with your own forces against another country's forces. Um, it is not true that while it is true that the Russians and before them the Soviets have had a longstanding relationship with the Syrian government um, and I'm sure that they are not enthused about that government falling, uh, they also recognize that, that what's happening in the region is, is, uh, is dangerous and destabilizing. Uh, they're trying not to make that problem worse or hoping that problem doesn't get worse. Certainly Syria's immediate neighbors feel that way. Uh, many of these countries are already straining under the refugees from any number of wars, most recently the war in Iraq. Now they're straining under the burdens of additional Syrian uh, refugees fleeing the violence there. Um, uh, I, I think there are lots of different reasons, in other words, why countries are involved in one way or another. Um, and that's, but that's not the same as saying the United States uh, getting involved is, is waging war with those other countries. Uh, does it matter how popular or in this case unpopular the regime is? That is to say, uh, Mark Lynch at George Washington mm -hmm. University has argued, you know, our intervention would likely crystallize internal divisions mm -hmm. uh, within Syria. But, you know, d does it then matter uh, how relatively unpopular the regime is? It does matter how relatively unpopular the regime is when we put the emphasis on relative, which is to say who replaces them and how popular is that new government. Um, the, the Assad regime, uh, Bashar Assad and his father, Hafez Assad, uh, governed as a member of, as members of this Alawite minority, but they were uh, quite skillful at exploiting the fears of other minority groups and convincing those other minority groups uh, that that uh, they their lot would be far less pleasant uh, under a different government. And they're not the only ones, of course, that have played that game uh, around the region. Um, but uh, Mark Lynch is, is is obviously an expert on this area, and I and I defer to his expertise. Uh, and he makes a very good point, which is at the end of the day, uh, we are not going to be uh, solving the problems of Syria. Uh, those problems are deep. They are, they are deep-seated. They are historical over very long periods of time. And if anything, our overt involvement is likely to make that problem worse, not better, especially in the short term. With respect to the uh, alleged use of chemical weapons, uh, Defense Secretary Chuck right. Hagel says it is likely that that did occur. Mm -hmm. What can, conclusions can we draw based on that, given the fact that the United States was a supporter of a regime next door that was using chemical weapons on a population to its north in the 1980s? Um, 
it is true that the United States was um, uh, was allied uh, uh, loosely with uh, Saddam Hussein when he was fighting against the, Ira uh, the Iranians in the 1980s, the Iran-Iraq War, and that the, he then used chemical weapons against his own people. Um, I think that the real problem with the Obama administration's position with respect to chemical weapons in Syria is that they established a red line, which they said the use of chemical weapons would constitute a red line, which would uh, uh, call for much greater U.S. involvement, uh, is they never really, I think, thought through uh, the implications of that, of that promise. Uh, if, in fact, the regime has used chemical weapons and it can be proved, uh, are they then, have they put the United States uh, on, on the path to deeper involvement and was it wise to make that sort of pledge in the first place? Um, if it wasn't wise and if they conclude f through a variety of different reasons, some of which I've already talked about, which is the difficulty of brokering a political settlement in a country as complicated and, and divided as Syria, um, they, it seems to me, could still uh, stop short of overt U.S. military involvement uh, which would be extremely unpopular, potentially quite costly, uh, but still affirm their desire, which has been the U.S. position for some time, to see the regime uh, step aside, the violence uh, settled, but without the United States becoming involved directly and certainly without U.S. troops becoming involved directly. Chris Preble is Vice President for Defense and Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. You can get his book, The Power Problem, at our website, cato.org.